Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome to Tales from the Heart. I am Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now, we're listening to Deadly Valentine, book one of the Valentine Mysteries. This week, after a week of technical issues, we're finally going to have episode 17, which is chapter 38, and we're going to find out what happens to Jack and Tess. Do they survive? Do they get to start their happily ever after? I also want to ask you to stay tuned after this final chapter of Deadly Valentine for a sneak peek at chapter one of Old Flames Never Die, which is book two in the Valentine Mysteries. I also have some very special news to share with you. Now, remember, if you're eager to follow along or get a bit ahead, you can download the entire ebook of Deadly Valentine for free at jennahart.com. Never miss the mystery or romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember that all the details and links you might need are just a click away in the description. Now snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 38 I'm going to die. It was clear to Tess ever since Walter showed up with the gun, she and Jack were doomed to die. But it wasn't until this moment that the outcome felt real. She was going to die. The realization pitched from surreal to full-blown terror. She wouldn't even be spared the pain of being shot since her medication was wearing off. You don't have to do this, Jack said. The senator will be disappointed. Walter laughed. The point of this is that he won't know. A sliding sound emanated from above. It was as if Santa were gliding along her roof. Was that going to be her last thought? Hoping that Santa would save her? But she knew better. This wasn't a novel or made-for-TV movie. This was real. And bad things happened in real life. The sliding stopped, and something crashed through her roof, landing inches behind Walter. It wasn't Santa. It wasn't even human. But it did cause Walter to jump and turn away. In an instant, Jack was there, grabbing the arm with the gun, as he delivered a blow that knocked Walter to the floor, sending the gun skittering across the ashes. Ow! Damn, that hurts. Jack shook his hand. Come on, Tess, we need to get out of here before the roof caves in. That slate will kill if it hits you. Stunned, Tess could only look on. Tess. He looked at her, his hand extending to her. Do you need help? With a snap, she was back to the present. No, no, I can move. She proved it by tentatively moving towards the open front door while listening for signs that her roof was about to fall. Jack reached down, grabbing Walter by the shirt front. You too, Walter. Let's go. What the hell is going on? Daniel stepped into the open doorway. Daniel! Tess had never been so pleased to see him. Don't come in! Jack yelled as he dragged Walter to his feet. Detective Showalter, thank God you're here! Walter tried to disentangle himself from Jack's grip. He's mad. He's going to kill us all, just like he killed Asa and tried to kill your father. That's not true, Tess cried. Daniel didn't seem to hear Walter. Instead, he made his way through the rubble to Tess. Are you all right? He wrapped an arm around her. It's not safe in here. I know, she said, accepting his help. More sliding sounded above. But Walter is lying. Daniel practically carried her out the door. Tess decided his help was worth the shooting pain it caused if it got her out of the caving house. Help me! 
Walter cried. She turned to see Jack dragging him towards the door of the house. But Daniel grabbed her to him and gave her a shake that did nothing to help the pain in her side. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be resting. It's a long story, but Walter... Are you sure you're all right? Yes, listen to me. It was Walter. A loud rumble sounded as the remainder of her roof crashed down. Jack, with Walter in tow, dove out the door and tumbled down the front steps. They landed with a loud oomph. Get off of me! Walter flailed, one of his arms catching Jack in the jaw. I just saved your life, goddammit, Jack said. Making his way to them, Daniel reached down to help Walter up. Thank God you're here. Walter clutched at Daniel. Walter Jameson, you have the right to remain silent. What? No, you've got it wrong. Anything you say. Daniel slipped a handcuff on one hand and turned Walter so he could secure the other behind his back. Tess stared wide-eyed. You knew? I got an interesting phone call. Daniel said once he finished reciting Walter his rights. Phone call? The caller ID was Jay Valentine. To be honest, I nearly ignored it, particularly when there was no one on the other end when I picked up. But then I could hear a very interesting conversation. Tess looked to Jack, who had made his way to her. Walter said to put the phone away, not to hang it up. You called Daniel? I figured the only other person as motivated as me to save you was him. He was right, Daniel said. You could hear us through the pocket of his coat? Tess found that incredulous. Not well, sometimes not at all, but enough to know I needed to get here fast. Daniel guided Walter up the path toward his vehicle. So it's over? Tess was too afraid to hope that they were safe. Jack rubbed his hands up and down her arms. It's over. You need to take her home and put her to bed. Daniel told Jack once he got Walter secured in the back of his car. Someone will be by later to get your statement. Jack nodded. You heard what he said. Tess laughed. I never thought I'd see the day when you'd do what Daniel told you to do. Jack grinned. He never told me to take you home and to bed before. Jack put Tess to bed as ordered until Detective Johnson arrived. Then he carried her down the stairs to the living area and set her up on the couch in front of a roaring fire. She was surprised the fire didn't scare her, considering she'd nearly been roasted the night before. Instead, it was beautiful in the large fireplace, and the warmth was soothing against the cold February night. It felt homey. Once Detective Johnson left, Daniel arrived, but not as a cop, as a friend. Walter confessed, Daniel told them. It's a good thing, too, because there really isn't much in the way of solid evidence. Just like that, he confessed. Tess found it odd that Walter would go through so much to hide his secret and then so easily give it up. No, he started by telling us Jack was crazy and your testimony couldn't be trusted because you were sick and delusional that night. I was afraid that might come back to haunt us, Tess said. So what made him change his mind? The senator. Daniel's express was strained. It couldn't have been easy telling him that the man who'd been a trusted servant had killed his son. Especially since the senator had done so much to help Walter over the years. I told him, well, everything. And he came down and talked to Walter. What a strange relationship they had. Will he take a plea? I don't know. Daniel quirked a brow. 
You're not planning to be his lawyer, are you? Tess laughed. No. Daniel shifted in his seat before turning to Jack. Are you going to want a DNA? No. The firmness of his voice left no question as to his plans about finding out whether the senator was his biological father. Daniel stared at him for a long moment. He was working up to say something but was carefully choosing his words. I had to explain everything to my grandfather about Delia and the baby. The thing is, he's a sentimental man. He won't need a test to accept you. It was Jack's turn to shift in his seat. He's going to want to at least talk to you and probably bring you into the family fold, Daniel added. Jack's jaw tensed. Don't take this the wrong way, Daniel, but I don't want to be in that family. Tess winced, but Daniel appeared unfazed. I can't blame you. My mother feels the same way. He set the coffee Jack had brought him on the table and stood. I should be heading out. I guess the good thing is that I won't have to call you Uncle Jack. Tess bit her lip to keep from laughing, not sure how Jack would respond. But the corners of his lips twitched upward. I'll show you out. I thought he'd never leave. Jack said after Daniel left. He turned on the music app on his phone and sent it to play through his stereo. The smooth voice of Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell singing, You're All I Need to Get By, played. It was mood-setting music. And it worked, even though their acts of love would be limited to words and a few stolen kisses, at least until she healed. How are you feeling? He sat next to her and taking her hand. How's the pain? I'm good now. Good because I have a surprise. I'm not so sure I can take any surprises at the moment. Do you know what day it is? He asked. The first day of the rest of our lives? He laughed, pulling her hand to his lips and giving it a kiss. That too, but it's also Valentine's Day. I'd forgotten. I guess you wouldn't, since it's your name and all. You'd be surprised what a curse that is. There are high romantic expectations associated with the name Valentine. Tess snorted. I doubt any woman has complained about a Valentine from you. All you have to do is flash those blue-green eyes and show your dimple and it's all over with. That's it? Then I guess you don't want the gift I got you? He shifted his body, unhooking his hand from hers, and instead resting his arm behind her as he looked down on her. You got me a gift? When did you have time to do that? I bought it last week, but then you dumped me. I'm surprised you didn't throw it in the Potomac. I thought about it, but you know how I feel about littering. He grinned. That would be a problem. So I kept it knowing you'd come crawling back. Mm-hmm. But when I did, you kicked me out of your office. Temporary insanity. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a flat rectangular box. Do you want it or not? She took the box from him, pulling off the ribbon and removing the lid. It's a doodad. She pulled the silver frame from the box and studied the picture. Oh, and that's us. It is. Do you remember when that was taken? Tess pretended to study the picture, but she'd known immediately when the picture had been taken. It was the day she realized she had more than friendly feelings for her fiancé's friend. It was the day we went sailing on the Potomac. His smile reached his eyes and dimple. It pleased him that she remembered, that the day was as important to her as it had been to him. Brad couldn't come, and neither could your friend. What was her name? 
Tess twisted her face like she was trying to remember the tall, model-like woman Jack was seeing at the time. Her name doesn't matter, and actually, I canceled on her. You did? Why? He shifted and gave a shrug. It didn't seem right to bring a date. Tess watched him for a moment. You canceled to be alone with me? Yes. But your mom was there. Well, she didn't think it was a good idea that we were alone knowing how I felt about you. She was chaperoning. This time, Tess laughed at the thought. Jack laughed with her. If I'd wanted to, I could have gotten rid of her, but I wanted you to meet her, and it probably was for the best. You were, after all, engaged to someone else at the time. It was one of my favorite days. Tess looked at the photo again. Me too. This was when I was teaching you to steer. My mom snapped it. I remember. Tess remembered his eyes. Something about them had made her heart skip, and then it tumbled right over into love. My mom used to ask me when you were going to realize what a dope Brad was, and come to me. Did you tell her I did come to you when I realized what a dope he was? Jack gave her a sheepish smile. Yes, but she understood why I couldn't have you, not right then anyway. But then you left and I couldn't follow you. You know you're why she wanted to move to Jefferson Tavern. She figured it would be easier for me to run into you. Me? I didn't even know you two were here. It would have helped if you returned my calls. Tess winced and chided herself for cutting him off right when he needed her. Her heart broke to think of the sadness of having to watch a parent ravaged by cancer. I'm sorry. I wish I had been there for you. You're here now. He leaned closer to her. That's what matters. She smiled up at him, resting her palm on his cheek. My Valentine. Thank you so much for listening to Deadly Valentine. I hope that you enjoyed the book. And I want to give you a teaser into chapter one of Old Flames Never Die, which is the next book in the series continuation of Jack and Tessa's relationship and a new murder mystery. I also hope that you will stay tuned after the sneak peek of this chapter because I have some very special announcements on more audios of the books as well as some other cool stuff. So without further ado, here is our sneak peek into chapter one of Old Flames Never Die, book two of the Valentine Mysteries. Chapter one. What am I doing? Tess looked into the antique mirror over the dresser to view herself in the teal-colored shirt that dipped down between her breasts. Did her new La Perla bra show? Turning slightly, she inventoried her butt in the skin-tight jeans. She felt like pork sausage about to burst from its casings. The very idea that she was dressed like this because it made a certain man grin and ogle was equally disturbing. If anyone told her three months ago that her house and law practice would go up in smoke and that she would be hopelessly in love, she'd think they were one peanut short of a Snickers bar. Yet here she was, homeless, jobless, and stuffing her curves into clothing clearly too small just so she could turn on a certain blue-green-eyed man. She wondered if Jack missed her as much as she'd missed him. He left Friday morning for a board meeting in Washington, D.C., and stayed the weekend to meet with his right-hand man and Tessa's former fiancé, Brad Chancellor, about business. This morning, he drove straight to Worthington Media Corporation offices in Jefferson Tavern, Virginia, for a Monday morning meeting. His next stop would be home, 
It was the first time since their reunion in February they'd been apart for more than a day. Jack had invited her to go with him, and even enticed her with bribes about making love in government monuments, but she had a house and a career to rebuild again and opted to stay behind. Instead, she spent the weekend buying new lingerie at Césarier's boutique and making chocolate truffles in preparation for his return. Honey, I'm home. He called from downstairs. Showtime. She blew out a breath and called. I'm upstairs. She could hear him bounding up the stairs. Tell me you're naked. He rushed into the room, skidding to a stop a few feet from her. A slow, wide grin spread on his face. She blushed, embarrassed. How did he do that? You know what that outfit does for me, don't you? He wrapped his arms around her. With a hand on each buttock, he pulled her flush against his body. Why else would I spend hours to get into it? I'll be happy to help you remove it. She slid her arms over his shoulders and looked up into his striking blue-green eyes. He leaned down to kiss her. It was a kiss of renewal as if they'd been without water for days and could finally drink their fill. They stopped only because they needed to breathe. How was your trip? Tess asked, still whirling from the intoxicating effect he had on her. Uneventful. Brad says hi. And how were things at Worthington today? I think they're beginning to see how beneficial my purchase of the company will be for them. Ah, greed. Not just greed. Slothfulness, too. They won't have to work. Tess laughed. And what about the fact that you're related to them? I think that is the only reason they're going along with the merger. The company does technically stay in the family. Just a few months ago, Jack was the prime suspect in the murder of the company's CEO, Asa Worthington. What seemed like a little murder mystery actually turned out to be something much more when it was discovered that Jack was the illegitimate son of Asa's father, Senator Worthington. At the time of his death, Asa was planning to reveal the scandal and make it worse by turning the company over to Jack. As it turned out, the senator was thrilled to learn about Jack. Jack didn't return the sentiment. He also didn't want to be handed the company, but agreed to buy it because Philip, the only other Worthington left to run it, was inept in business. You look tired. Tess brushed his dark hair from his forehead. I am. I'm not used to working every day. He grinned, showing the one dimple that got him whatever he wanted. I can't wait to hand the whole thing over to someone. That won't be popular. It'll be my company. His hand squeezed her butt. Can we get back to this outfit and getting you out of it? I have another meeting tonight. Tonight? Tess couldn't hide her disappointment. Actually, the tone of Jack's voice had Tess thinking she wasn't going to like what he had to say. I got a call from an old friend, old girlfriend. Oh. Tess automatically took a step back. Don't do that, Tess. Her husband was murdered over the weekend. She just needs some support. From you? He shrugged. Liv wasn't one to have lots of girlfriends. That could only mean one thing. She was tall gorgeous and bitchy. How about family? There's no one here. It's just dinner. You can come if you want. I figured you wouldn't want to. Why would you figure that? He shrugged and stepped away, apparently deciding sex was no longer going to happen. 
You're insecure when it comes to relationships. That was true, but it sounded pathetic to hear it. I'm here, aren't I? For now. But for how long? Even though I've asked you to stay, you're working on getting your home back. I have to rebuild it. It's sitting charred in the middle of a residential neighborhood. I don't want to fight about this, Tess. I love you, and I'm sorry if it bothers you that I'm having dinner with Liv. But she was there for me when my mother died. I should do the same for her. I'm not mad that you're having dinner with her. I'm mad that you think I'm not committed to this thing between us. I know you love me and you're as committed as you can be. I just wish you'd trust that my feelings are sincere. He unbuttoned his shirt. I'm going to take a quick shower before I have to go. Tess frowned at his back as he entered the bathroom. That didn't go as planned. Just because she was wary and nervous about their relationship didn't mean she was insecure. It's not like she didn't have good reason not to trust in love. But she was here, with him. What else did he want? Jack let the water spray over his head, hoping it would wash the frustration away. He'd had a tough day sparring with the Worthingtons. When Liv called, his first instinct was to tell her he couldn't meet her. He'd been looking forward to a reunion with Tess from the moment he'd left her three days ago. The smell of chocolate and her kick-ass clothes told him she'd been thinking the same thing. But he couldn't abandon Liv. It wasn't that long ago that she'd saved him from himself. With her help, he got back to work and ended up in a position where he could meet Tess again and be worthy of her love. He knew Tess's reasons for distrusting in love, but that didn't mean it didn't drive him nuts. Even as challenging as she could be, though, he was completely in love with her. It proved that Cupid had a sense of humor, or he was a sadist. But Jack wasn't discouraged. He wasn't a man who got everything he wanted. If he were, his mother would still be alive. Turns out cancer can't be bought. But he was successful more times than not when he put his mind to something, and his mind was on Tess and convincing her to commit to him. He'd managed to get her into his home, although she thought she was just staying with him until her house was rebuilt. Jack figured he had until the house was finished to convince her otherwise. But as fate would have it, his reunion with Tess and moving a step closer to keeping her would turn out to be two steps back. He knew having dinner with an old flame was a bad idea under the best of circumstances. With Tess, it could be disastrous. But he owed Liv. It seemed only right that he be there for her. He picked up the bar of soap when he heard the shower door open and felt a burst of cool air. He turned to see Tess stepping into the shower with him. Immediately, his body heated, and his annoyance was replaced by desire. She had a body that drove him nuts. She had no idea how potent she was, which only added to her allure. She had chestnut-colored hair that naturally formed large, soft curls he wanted to run his fingers through. Indulging himself, he slipped his fingers through her hair as he pulled her to him for a kiss that was equally as potent. You're killing me. You know that? He looked into her eyes. It had been her eyes that first captured his attention. They were the color of aged whiskey and were filled with a fire that he felt burn deep in his soul. He never grew tired of looking into them. I can leave. Don't you dare. He pulled her body against his. I missed you, he whispered in her ear. Her hand slid up his chest and over his shoulders. Show me. 
I hope you enjoyed that little teaser of Old Flames Never Die, which will be the next book we do in Tales from the Heart. Now, in this book, Jack and Tess are navigating their new relationship, and that is made more difficult when Jack's old flame is accused of murder, and Jack thinks she's innocent, and Tess is not so sure. Now, with the help of her friend and Jack's nemesis, Detective Daniel Schulwalter, she joins the investigation to uncover the truth. And now she's pitted against Jack as they each seek answers. This not only puts their love at risk, but their lives as well. I hope that you will join me in continuing Tales of the Heart with Old Flames Never Die. Now, as you know, when I put these episodes out in the podcast or up on YouTube, they are censored. I do have to take the spicier bits out because I don't want to upset any terms of service. Old Flames Never Die has even spicier bits than Deadly Valentine. And for those of you that want to listen to that, I do have an opportunity for you to get those versions. I now have a platform over at Ream Stories. The Ream Stories is a community where authors and their readers can connect together. It's where I can deliver advanced content, bonus content, and it is where these uncensored episodes of Tales from the Heart are going up, and they are going up in advance of when they go out onto the podcast or onto YouTube. So if you want to be first listener and you want the uncensored files, this would be the place to go and get them. I'm really excited about Ream Stories and hope that you will join me. There are various levels that you can connect with me on the platform and each level gives you a different kind of access including perks, advanced copies of books, bonus content. I even have a level where you can get first six books in the Valentine series plus the two novellas. I also have up there a version of Deadly Valentine, which is completely free, but this one is currently being annotated so you can see the fun factoids or interesting thoughts I was having as I was writing. Now, this is a community platform that is subscriber-based, and I have various tiers depending on how much support you uh want to give me or can give me. But if you're not sure about that, or maybe you are unable to subscribe, that's not a problem either. I do have a free level. You just have to click the follow button and you get free access to the first few chapters of all my published books. I have project announcements. You can get cover re reveals, weekly updates, and course, you get my undying appreciation for your support. We can't tell you how much it means to have readers enjoying the Valentines and all the other books that I write. I hope that you will check out my Ream platform. You can do so by visiting reamstories.com forward slash Jenna Hart, where you can learn more about it over at my website, jennahart.com. Um, and again, these links will be down in the description so you can access them easily. Thank you so much again for listening to Deadly Valentine. I hope that you will be back to listen to Old Flames Never Die and that you will check me out over at Ream Stories. Until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.